Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to Bundesliga for Beginners, our piping pot box press podcast, looking at, well, the Bundesliga as well, beginners. Hopefully it's self-explanatory and those of you who were with us for our first episode last week will know what we're doing. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Bundesliga Pod. That's nice and easy to remember, so you've got no excuses for not doing that. Let's crack on. Same guests as the first show, but if you are new to the podcast, I'm Jamie Smith. My co-host will be Kevin DeVries. You might recognise him from the EPL Roundtable. That's the same channel that we're on. Jim Knight is also with us. He does that podcast a lot as well. And John McKenzie is back as our guest expert, despite getting absolutely destroyed on Twitter by Raphael Honigstein during the action for the weekend. I'm sure we'll touch on that. Um, so, as the name of the show goes, we're all fairly new to the Bundesliga, apart from John. Kev, first impressions from having the football back? Yeah, I was absolutely delighted to just be able to sit on a couch and watch football for the first time in over two months. Um, it, it was a little odd. Uh, some of the visuals were kind of weird of like the players socially distance with their face masks, even though they've been training together. And then once they're on the pitch, they'll all be there together. So I'm, I'm not sure I could make the logic out of all of it, but I understand they're just trying yeah, to... Yeah, that's definitely weird. Yeah, but you know, I, I understand they're just trying to handle it as best they can, odd though it definitely seems and unhelpful though it may seem as well. Um, obviously, the empty stadiums were weird. I was really curious in the States if we were going to get piped in audio noise, um, which they decided to forego, which I think was the right choice, which actually led to me being really excited to be able to hear what the players and, and the managerial staffs and everybody were saying. And then uh, I remembered that I don't speak German. So <laughs> ended up being a little less interesting in that regard than I thought. Uh, if the Premier League manages to come back behind closed doors, would be very interested in hearing what they're saying and actually understanding it. But uh, it's very Maybe interesting. Swearing. I would expect mainly swearing. <laughs> Mostly swearing. One guy in the, in the away end at Tottenham still being placed there, just yelling, away, after every set piece. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I was obviously delighted to have football back just to kind of start thinking about that mode again. The the delight of the first goal being scored, and of course it's Hollande. Um, I think far outweighed any of the negatives and weirdness for me. Yeah, I was surprised how quickly I got used to it. It was quite... I started off watching Dortmund Schalke, which we're going to talk about quite a lot in the show. And at first it was like, right, this is strange, but got used to it quite quickly. I was a bit surprised about the crowd noise as well. Um, I watched a K-League from Korea game the weekend before last, and they had some piped-in crowd noise. And that seemed weird at first, but I kind of preferred it because then there was at least something there. The coverage for one of the games today as well, the Bayern game, the commentator was actually explaining what the players were saying when you could hear them shouting, so that was quite interesting. Oh, that'd be obviously. great. Yeah, need to understand German. It, it could have just been making it up. Who knows? Um, Jim, what were your impressions? 
it was weird. I think the thing that got me most was like the echoing around the stadium, yeah. you know, when the players are like shouting at each other and stuff or like opposition players and you just hear it echoing around. It's just such a weird dynamic. Obviously, we've all grown up watching football in at least half full stadiums, um, even when our normal clubs aren't, you know, necessarily packing out the the stands like you it doesn't echo around like that. And it was just very kind of it felt a bit sterile. Obviously, it's going to. But I think on the whole, I was just kind of overwhelmingly pleased to have football back and I think I was pleasantly surprised with like the standard I guess it's kind of difficult to know because you go into it thinking is it just going to be like a glorified pre-season friendly uh, in terms of like the rustiness and stuff but I think on on the whole granted I haven't seen every game all the way through and you only see highlights of of certain matches but for the most part I think it looked pretty pretty good like standard wise and obviously it's difficult for me to benchmark against because I don't watch a lot of Bundesliga before hence the reason I'm on the show so it's um it's kind of tricky to to know what it was like before but obviously I think as a product it's it's certainly filling that void for a lot of people and I'd be interested I saw um obviously these are German viewership numbers but I think some of the domestic broadcasts were like some of the most watched they've ever been um, for the Bundesliga so perhaps they're they're obviously benefiting from the, the German authorities handling of coronavirus generally but hopefully it's kind of filling that void for a lot of fans around Europe as well not just in Germany it'd be interesting to see how many like BT um, subscribers kind of tuned into the matches particularly maybe like Schalke and, and Dortmund because it was kind of that centerpiece three o'clock Saturday, which a lot of people would normally spend either watching their team or, you know, watching a, a Sherlock soccer Saturday if they can't get a stream. So, yeah, it would be interesting to see the kind of fallout and how it's been perceived beyond our kind of English bubble, I guess. Yeah, if you use the word sterile there, that's probably useful for the old coronavirus situation. <laughs> I think we want things to be sterile. <laughs> um, John, what can you tell us about how differences in regular Bundesliga. We talked on the first show about Gladbach were going to have like cardboard cutout fans. There didn't seem to be any gimmicks like that going on this weekend. Yeah, it's an experience, an interesting experience um, in in many respects. I mean, I watch a lot of um, football through Instat and so I listen to a lot of football without commentary because a lot of the um, sites like Scout and Instat don't actually use commentary. So I have a little bit of experience of that sort of weirdness of not having any background noise. I actually find it quite aesthetically comforting, the uh, the sort of training ground aesthetic where you can hear the thump of the ball and, and the shouts of the players. I find it quite fun. But um, yeah, I, I don't think, and in the long run, I think I would always prefer fans in the, in the crowd. But it was, yeah, it was an interesting experience. It felt... It felt lethargic a lot, I thought, um, in terms of what I'm used to watching in the Bundesliga, um, which is understandable, right? These guys have not been playing for a couple of months and uh, they've not really had a proper pre-season. Um, and I, I'm not even entirely sure what ex- to what extent their training has been um, full full team training because I know a lot of them were were working in groups of uh, about eight. So these this will be some of the first full games that these guys will have played potentially. So um, that all, all uh, being the case, um, I think it, I thought it was quite a good standard of football. It was quite fun um, to to have football back. So I'm hoping that the, uh, the, the next few weeks continue to be fun and it doesn't just fall flat on its face when we realise, oh, actually, um, given the situation, the, the football isn't quite as a, an exciting a, a product as we thought. Yeah, well, that would be a serious blow for people who've started Bundesliga podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> that would uh, make us look a bit daft. I, I agree on the, the sort of intensity. I think some of the teams handled it better than others, but you're right, you've got to take into account fitness. 
But I think there were some teams that obviously missed being able to feed off the crowd. We're mm. recording on Sunday after Bayern Munich's win at Union Berlin. I felt bad for them in particular. Was, I think they said on the commentary it was the first time Union have played Bayern in a competitive game. So they would have really enjoyed having the fans there to watch that and feed off their energy and things like that. Um, it didn't really work out. One of the teams that didn't seem to cope very well were Schalke. We talked in detail about yeah. the Revier derby um, on our first show, and the jokes were were obvious to me. Schalke 04, obviously. Um, I don't know how many people made gags about the Schalke defence using social distancing as Dortmund ran around, <laughs> but there was um, many of them. Um, a very one-sided game, Kev. Not the, the close, hard-fought derby that we were probably hoping for and expecting. Yeah, so uh, we talked a little bit in the pre-show about how uh, in the States, I now only get one match per time window, which is apparently a thing that a lot of people in England have to deal with with the Premier League. So uh, I didn't get to see all of the matches, but yesterday in particular was kind of disappointing in that way with uh, Dortmund Schalke being decided so early and then Mönchengladbach. Uh, Frankfurt being over similarly early. Um, but yeah, I, I think I was expecting a lot more from Schalke. Like I mentioned in the last uh, episode, I actually had a, a, a soft spot a little bit, uh, just based on some of the players that I like that have been there, or some of the players that I like that wound up there, uh, having previously played elsewhere. Uh, you name-dropped uh, Weston McKinney next time, uh, last time, kind of. Um, and he had a couple of good... You name name. <laughs> yeah, you did. You nailed it. Um, <laughs> he had a pretty... pretty good couple of moments where he he would break up counterattacks but i was kind of surprised to see because this isn't really something i would attribute to him when he plays for the u.s men's national team of when the ball got past him he he, he kind of indombulated it a bit he wasn't really <laughs> chasing people down as hard as he could have and you mentioned the defense um i think it was after the first guerrero goal if that was the holland one is either the first or the second um and i was like i'm not sure if that's an incredible assist and vision and just like really deft touch to play the ball short of the defender but into the path of Guerrero or if Schalke just kind of weren't defending well and uh I think if if memory serves just from like um like rumors and stuff isn't Schalke's goalkeeper meant to be pretty good John? Yeah, so the issue with um, Schalke's goalkeeper situation is they have another goalkeeper who is um, good, Alexander Nubel, who has just been signed by, I believe it's Bayern, uh, and he was the club captain, and as a result of that uh, agreement that he will go at the end of the season to Bayern, he's been stripped of his captaincy and put on the bench. Uh, And so Marcus Schubert, who's also considered a decent goalkeeper, uh, but is very young, he's only 21 years old, um, is is playing, and I guess the, the added pressure of that whole situation got to him and there's been a lot of umming and ahhing in in Bundesliga amongst Bundesliga fans about uh, the rightness or wrongness of this situation but yeah clearly it didn't work for them uh, yesterday yeah that left-footed strike by Guerrero was really good Um, but yeah there were just moments where it just felt like Schalke weren't really there the way Dortmund were who seemed in in good enough playing shape that multiple times the commenter commentator mentioned on what good form they were in and everyone was like uh there hasn't been football for two months um but yeah I, a game since mark <laughs> exactly form. um but yeah i thought they played played really well um there's a player who shall remain nameless um who had a really good match and i'm certainly glad uh that Nobody, including myself, forgot his name last time. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was really impressed by Dortmund. Similarly uninspired by Schalke. 
Uh, John, comparatively, is this about the level of these two teams right now, or were you surprised that Schalke didn't put up as much of a fight? I thought so. I I didn't watch this game live, and I rewatched it um, after the fact. And I watched the first half, and I didn't actually think Schalke were terrible in the first half. Uh, so I think it's just a case of once they'd gone down, and there was a couple of goalkeeping errors. I, I sort of think they they capitulated a little bit. But Schalke have been struggling since the second half of the season started, uh, and I think it's just uh, again the the there's a huge amount of pressure at a club like Schalke uh, because their fans have huge expectations for, for them. Um, they consider themselves, they, they consider themselves a team who should be really vying for European spots and certainly, uh, certainly European spots, but champions league spots as well, I think. And I think the, the pressure of that um, it, it does get to, to managers. And obviously David Wagner was, um, has, was only, has only come in this season and um, his predecessor, Dominic, Tedesco was again was someone who was highly touted as a manager and didn't manage to um, make a, a really good impression either there in in his at least in his second season. So I think that, again it's just a there's a pressure thing at Schalke that comes through as well. So I suspect that has played into it as well. There's some really good individual performances. Um, Julian Brandt, who was clearly inspired by all of us forgetting he existed last weekend. Um, Jim Erling Haaland scored the first goal of the day. Typically deft finish from him. And I was really impressed with the Dortmund right-back, Ashraf Hakimi, who's on loan from Real Madrid and really seems like a top talent in that position. Given that Real Madrid don't defend particularly well, you would have thought a player of that calibre might be getting a shout at Real Madrid, but each to their own. But yeah, I mean, Dortmund were clearly a cut above the rest. As John kind of alluded to, we're not sure of the training regimes that these teams have gone through. And it looked to me like Dortmund were tuned up and ready to go. And Schalke, once they went 2-0 down, particularly with the manner of that second goal as well, you know, all the jokes about, as you said, social distancing and goalkeeper error, etc. They just kind of accepted their fate almost. And and Dortmund could have put the the hammer down a bit more. You know, I guess when you're you're a Schalke fan watching on and Hazard scores after 48 minutes um, to go 3-0 up, you think, well, this could be really, really embarrassing, especially in such a big game and such a big derby. But I think they they can be relatively uh, happy with coming away with a 4-0 defeat, given the situation they're in after 48 minutes. But they they just looked very, very short of fitness. And I guess that's something that's probably going to play out in the next few weeks as well. We'll talk about getting a pre-season and even in even after kind of six or seven weeks of prep in a normal domestic season, you see some teams that are kind of growing into the season three or four weeks in. We could be in a position where you've only got three or four games left and teams are hitting their stride properly in terms of fitness and team dynamic and things like that, particularly if they're, they're operating in smaller groups. So it'll be interesting to see how teams like Schalke kind of rally after this because as as start, restarts to a season go, you can't get much worse, I guess, than getting hammered by your, your rivals 4-0, um, albeit in an empty stadium. So at least you've kind of saved the reception from the yellow wall after getting completely smashed to pieces but yeah it'll be uh it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back because you know even following german football from afar you know that schalke are one of those teams that have been in europe in the past and stuff and we've seen them in european competition and it just seems like they're they're kind of in a bit of a tailspin at the moment i was looking at their form before the game just kind of just trying to get an idea of how they were doing and as john says the been absolutely terrible. Granted, it has been a bit a long time since they last played, but I was just looking. Their last league win in the Bundesliga uh, was on the seventeenth of January um, over my newly adopted Much and Gladbach. So it's been it's been a long old while since I had that winning feeling. Unfortunately, 
Yeah, I think that was one of the situations in the weekend where I wondered about the impact of the fans as well. You would have expected Schalke starting so slowly that their fans were really roaring them on and trying to get them to pull their socks up. But without that sort of impetus, I wonder if it's going to be harder for teams to turn it around, even when the flip side is that there's no home fans cheering their team on as well. Um, John, as far as Dortmund goes, couldn't really ask for a better start. Jim Sancho's only on the bench because he's not fit to start and still they won at a canter, really. Yeah, I think a lot of people really underrate how good the Borussia Dortmund squad is. I mean, there was play, like you said, um, Jaden Sancho wasn't playing. They've got Mario Goetze on, on the bench as well. Um, Gio Reyna, um, all great attacking players. And you know, this this is a team I think that under Lucien Favre have they're just quite they're quite inconsistent I think and um, th- this has been a, an argument with a lot of uh, Favre's teams through through the years that that sometimes it feels as though they uh, can be too changeable too timid perhaps even in big moments and I think that was that really comes to the fore in this game because you know once they got those two um, those two goals they said they just sort of ran away with it and they didn't really look back after that point um, and I wonder whether or not had they struggled to get those two goals uh, in the first half whether or not that would have meant that they they started laboring a little bit but it's a team that once you um, set them off. They they just sort of steamroller, and you just kind of look at them and you think, how on earth are they are, are they going to struggle to to lose to anyone in the in the re- remainder of this season? And even just watching Bayern again again today, who just sort of huffed and puffed a little bit over the line, um, and and considered by many to have you know the, easily the best team in this league. You just kind of think if this Borussia Dortmund team could get on onto um, a little bit of momentum, then you you could see them uh, taking them apart quite easily but there we there we go maybe that's just my opinion they play in a couple of weeks as well don't they they've got mm. um it's a it's at Dortmund as well so I agree with what John just said I watched watched pretty much everything of the of the buying game and although it's it's difficult to judge it's a small sample size but they certainly didn't look to hit top gear today they kind of labored um in that win over union so it'll be interesting to see what kind of condition they're in because it is only two weeks time it's 10 days actually it's a midweek game, a Tuesday afternoon, evening, um, 5.30 kickoff in the UK. So they've not got long, really, to tune up before they, they have what could be a kind of pivotal pivotal clash for the title. With with four points in it, you know, you can't afford to lose that game because it really then ramps the pressure up if you're, if you're buying, particularly with everyone expecting you to come out and kind of finish the season off with them b- being in such good form. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of condition they're, they're in for that game, for sure. Yeah, one thing I noticed about Dortmund was how they managed to control the game really well. There was a derby um, two, three seasons ago when they went 4-0 up against Schalke in 25 minutes. They were absolutely all over them. And Schalke came back and got a point. It's one of the most amazing comebacks you'll ever see. If you get the chance to see the highlights of that game, do watch it. I remember watching that game and thinking that I hadn't seen anything like it in some time uh, Equaliser deep into added time. It was absolutely crazy. Can you imagine watching the derby as a home fan being 4-0 up in the first half an hour and not winning the game? It's crazy. Um, moving on to Bayern then. Kev, Dortmund set that marker at the start of the weekend, but Bayern were just Bayern really, weren't they? Very in control again. Scored from a penalty and a set piece. Quite a routine when Union Berlin didn't really lay a glove on them. Yeah, it, it, you mentioned um, it was the, their first home match against uh, 
Bayern Munich. Uh, and, and like you said, I, I do wonder if the fans would have had something to play, but uh, based on Bayern's uh, place in the table, you'd assume that not many recently promoted sides would uh, take them down. Hopefully I'm right that they were recently promoted. If that math checks out, that it would have been their first time playing them at home. Um, but yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> thank you. Uh, pretty sound logic there for me, if I do say so myself. Um, but yeah, I'd agree. It, it always looked like they were going to win, but they were kind of toying with their food a little bit, not to be too rude. Um, kind of expected them to be a little bit more lethal up front, although it was interesting hearing um, that Lewandowski wouldn't have been fit in time for this match the last time. I, I do remember hearing something like that um, way back in the halcyon days of when football existed before uh, pandemics. Yeah, but, he was injured, wasn't he, and he was going to miss a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So apparently, according to the commentator, uh, which I did get to listen to, uh, unlike John, apparently, um, he, it mentioned that uh, he had the fewest amount of touches in the first half. And, and I think that kind of showed. I know when uh, Tottenham played Bayern this year, uh, just his presence caused most of the issues where he would kind of push and pull the defense, which was creating spaces for other people, particularly Serge Gnabry. Um, but it, it kind of seemed like he wasn't that involved, although I think he did have a layoff that could have been a goal and maybe was involved in the other one. Um, but obviously he scores his penalty just because, of course, he scores a goal uh, in a Bundesliga match. That seems to be how it goes, at least from the outside looking in. Um, but yeah, uh, they did what they had to do. You can only beat the team in front of you. I, I think I expected more, though, especially, as you mentioned, after seeing how well uh, Dortmund played, but not to not to sidetrack too much. I was just curious to get your guys' thoughts on that concept that uh, Lewandowski wouldn't have been there had they not had two months of the season uh, to to heal back from that. Because when everybody's talking about like the points per game solution or just stopping the table where it is in other leagues, the the argument for playing on is that it's more fair. But would Union Berlin not have had a better chance without Lewandowski on the pitch? How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Yeah, I think they they definitely would have had a better chance. Um, and I guess that's the that's sort of the way that it goes. That's one of the reasons why when it comes to the championship, I'm a Leeds fan um, and there's lots of umming and ahhing about whether or not that league should be played. I, I've just sort of got to a point where I'm like, it just doesn't feel like it's a real league anymore. It's a real season anymore, really, yeah. when, when you're worrying about trying to get the thing done at all costs. I mean, at what point does the season have to be not, um, playing for it to feel as though it's just completely disconnected, and I think that will apply in the Bundesliga. The question that I have is like, what's the what's the the mini league table from from these games going to look like compared to this the the, the league table from um, the first seventy five percent of the season? Is it going to look unrecognisable? And if so, I mean, is is that really meaningful in any sense whatsoever? I mean, I guess all the teams have the same conditions to play in, but it does feel as though some teams are going to lose out here just by dint of the fact that um, uh, the, the coronavirus has come along when it has. And another thing that actually I thought was quite interesting about the um, the Gladbach game um, against Frankfurt, I mean, obviously Frankfurt conceded two goals very very quickly in that game and Frankfurt just had the look of a team who are like we're we've got no chance of getting anywhere really in this league we're bang in the in the sort of mid table um we're not playing for anything we're not going to go down we're not going to get into Europe um and we're being forced to play in a in the midst of a global pandemic and it just that game just had all the makings of a of a match which just sort of felt a little bit fake a little bit meaningless yeah I think there will be a case of some teams that adapt better than others and I think you're right teams in mid-table that don't really have anything to play for it's going to be difficult for them to motivate themselves you often see at the end of a normal season once teams are safe and can't qualify for Europe there's an element of switching off or feeling as if they're they're on the beach Um, Jim just to go back to Bayern very much on track for yet another title haven't conceded a goal in five games now spanning obviously pre-coronavirus and resumption um what were your impressions they they didn't need to get out of second gear really but do you think they they look like champions elects on that form i mean the the old cliche is that champions win when they're not playing well right and then by that kind of mantra then yeah certainly um I guess it's it's way too difficult to read into one game, but I think the parallels with Dortmund, like the the differences between that performance and Dortmund's, is was very striking to me in particular. Um, obviously, I'm not 100% sure of how good Union are as like an opposition, so it, it's tough to benchmark against. Um, but I mean, they had a couple of scares early doors. Um, Neuer was kind of given a bit more of a, a difficult time early before the, the penalty that um, that saw Lewandowski put Bayern in front. Um, and from then on, it, it did feel a little bit like the the kind of pep had gone out of the match, I guess. It just kind of a little bit flat after half time, And then with the second goal, they just kind of put it beyond any doubt just in case, you know, you managed to, to get one on the, the break and take a point. But it was... It was workmanlike. It was a little bit lethargic in, at times. But again, is that the fact that Bayern were pretty comfortable in their own skin and knew they didn't have to get out of second gear? And especially going into what will be quite an intense few weeks, I guess. Maybe they thought, you know, energy conservation, 2-0 win, keep a clean sheet. Neuer did make a couple of saves, but again, he's Manuel Neuer. It's what he does. Um, so it, it's more just about kind of getting the result, move on, and they'll be sharper for, for the next game in a week's time against Frankfurt. And and take it from there. They're, they're the ones playing with the advantage, so they don't really have to kind of do anything more than keep grinding out three points. Yeah, I think it was a case of just did enough to to get the points. Um, we'll stick with you, Jim, 
for the next section of the show then. Last week, if you listened, we picked our Bundesliga teams. John already had his Bundesliga teams as someone who knows about the Bundesliga. Um, Kev is going to support Bayer Leverkusen. They play Monday night. We're recording Sunday, so we'll hear about that on the next show. Uh, And Jim, thanks to the flow charts, you got (laughs) Gladbach. What was your your first impressions of seeing your boys in the front? My first impression was them going 1-0 up after about 40 seconds. So it (laughs) it started pretty well. Um, Obviously, again, you know, standard caveat supply that it's difficult to read too much into one particular game. But I enjoyed the the style of football they played. They were knocking it around really well. Um, they, They look a fairly kind of physical but direct team um there's a couple of players who, who really stood out to me um the main one being marcus Taram, um who i've not seen a lot of admittedly um and, and yes basing player assessment on, on one game is a dangerous uh thing to do but he was just so it, it, he looked so mobile and yet so physical that it's that kind of player that you just look at and you just kind of a admire him as a kind of physical stature almost like you know how do you defend against that because especially when they're running directly at you it's a little bit like he I don't want to compare him with a Premier League player just because that's what I know but like in the same way that sometimes when you watch Wolves if Adama Traore is on his game like you just think how do you defend against that like because he's so big he's so physically strong and he's so quick that if he's running directly at you, there's not a defender in the country that can stick with him from a physicality perspective, let alone the fact that he could probably outrun them, giving them a five-yard head start. So, it, you know, he really impressed me. I'm looking forward to, to seeing a lot more of him. Um, and yeah, on the whole, you know, again, Frankfurt kind of rolled over and had their bellies tickled to some degree, threatened to mount a comeback in the, the second half, I guess, a little bit when they got one back. But it could have been um, it could have been more in the end for for Gladbach. There was a, a particularly uh, cinematically yeah. flattering clearance, I guess, kind of just diving on the line and blocking it with um, yeah his body, shall we say, um, <laughs> towards the end, which which I particularly enjoyed. But it was a it was a fairly dominant performance. I mean, there's only so much you can you can say about the opposition when they're two 0 down after eight minutes and, and they never really got back into the game from there. But as as a uh, newly formed Russian Gladbach fan. Um, I was pretty pretty happy and looking forward to the rest of the season, kind of seeing how this team developed. Because although everyone's talking about the the title race being a, a bit of a two horse race, with obviously the, the big two of Munich and, and Dortmund, Russian um, Gladbach aren't that far back. Granted, they are six points behind Bayern um, with eight games to go, so it would be a hell of a turnaround for for Bayern to drop that we, many. Points. We don't know if there's going to be weird results because of yeah, exactly. The situation I mean, you never know. You only it's not beyond the realms of possibility, essentially, at six points behind that if things did get a little bit weird um, with some freak results that you wouldn't necessarily have expected during a kind of quote-unquote standard season, that much and Gladbach could sneak into something approaching contention, uh, which would be super exciting. And I, I, for one, am looking forward to their title parade as a, as a newly crowned uh, <laughs> Gladbach fan. So yeah, roll on the end of the season. Let's be honest, Jim's teams have had more surprising history. title wins. Yeah, I mean, if we're, yeah, if we're, if we're talking about surprising title wins, <laughs> then I'm very much the, the man with the knowledge. So maybe I'll be a good luck charm for, for much of Gladbach. Not that I'm going to take any credit if they do manage to turn things around. But it, w- it will be an exciting watch, I think. I certainly get that impression. and I'd be interested to see what John had to say, obviously, as someone who's watched them a lot more regularly than I have given that he's watched more than one game. Um, but it, they certainly look like an exciting team to watch. And I know that was something he was saying in the in the first 
where you know I, I've seemingly picked well in terms of an entertaining team to to follow over the the coming months and potentially years as well. Yeah, we'll come to John in a second. Just on Marcus Tram, who you mentioned there. I have a real issue with this because I think if you're the son of a famous footballer, <laughs> you have to play the same position. <laughs> like, yeah, like his son of obviously the, the version of yeah, yeah, France defender great Lily and Tram. I think if you're going to follow in your father's footsteps, you have to be the same position. It just feels fair to do that. What's the Casper <laughs> Schmeichel? Isn't that happening <laughs> yeah. with the youngest Maldini as well? Yeah, you're right. He's a striker, isn't he? And obviously, Maldini's are defenders, so that's incorrect. They need to train that out of him. <laughs> um, John, we've covered Gladbach there quite well from Jim, mm. but your other team, Freiburg, involved in quite a dramatic game. Leipzig dropping points, big for the title race as well. Yeah, it really was. Um, it's actually interesting because I had a friend who who contacted me saying, "Oh, I've got, I'm, I'm doing an accumulator. What's your sort of big upset for for?" potential upset for this match day in the Bundesliga and I said you know I think Freiburg could could maybe cause some problems for for Leipzig and that's the way that it actually ended up playing but um, yeah again a game of two halves uh, Freiburg came out and, and and this was always going to be the way they were always going to um, try and get something in the first half and then sit back in the second half they were under the cosh quite a bit they could have conceded quite a few um, but in the end they they were a little bit unlucky to not actually come away with the three points they had a goal disallowed for a very marginal off, offside but you know, this is what I love about Freiburg you know it's a it's a it's a team that is run on a shoestring budget uh, it's very much a local club um and the, the, as i told you last time the the manager sort of grew up there played for the club has lived in the same house pretty much his whole life um i think he still lives in the flat that he was born in um and it's it's all about you know um youth development bringing players through the system and uh, selling them on when when you can get value for money and uh yeah, the, the result of that is that they, they often do play some some stodgy football, but when you're playing against the likes of a club like RB Leipzig with the, the Red Bull um, millions behind them, billions even, um, then you know you do what you, you do what you have to do, and uh, it's it's great fun watching them. It's good to see them coming back, and they're just a really well-oiled, well-structured team. Um, and yeah, they, they have players that you just sort of fall in love with, you want to see do well. So yeah, it was a really good, really good weekend for, for Freiburg. I didn't see a lot of that game, actually, but I support Burnley. There's a lot of Burnley fans on my Twitter and they were saying that Freiburg reminded them of Burnley in the way that they went about them. I don't know what you think of that comparison. Yeah, I think that's a fair comparison. It's it's exactly what you you expect. It's uh, it's very much the sort of diehard attitude of um, playing to your strengths, getting what you can out of out of your players. And uh, yeah, I, there is I think there is some some glory to that um, kind of play. And yeah, they've got Freiburg have got some good players. They've got Niels Pettersson up front, who's uh, was in contention for the national team. Uh, Robin Koch, who's been uh, causing interest around the Premier League. Uh, he's a German international as well. Vincenzo Grifo uh, is a great great little player. He's got a wicked free kick uh, and Roland uh, Salai, a Hungarian who's um, broke through somewhere like Cyprus, I think. And, um, but is, is quite an exciting young player and it'd be interesting to see how he, how he's been beset by injury. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he can uh, perform in the long run. So there are some, there are some fun players in there. Um, uh, Luca Luca Waldschmidt as well uh, has played quite um, high level, well the under under various youth teams of of the German national team, and uh, is on a lot of people's radar as well. And he came on too, didn't do much to be honest, because at that point it was just backs to the wall. But um, there are there are uh, little gems in there to to keep an eye on. I remember seeing him score a hat trick for Germany under twenty ones, maybe. Mm. Actually, certainly looks like a talent. Would yeah, he be the Jeff Euros, McNeil equivalent? 
Dwight McNeil, is it? Dwight McNeil? Yep. <laughs> Future Ballon d'Or winner. Jeff. Jeff. Oh, did I? A <laughs> uh, person I made up. Don't worry about it. I'm now a Bundesliga expert. Uh, as you mentioned last week, I've broken up with the Premier League. It's all Bundesliga from here on now. Chairman of the Dwight McNeil fan club as well, isn't he? I would have thought he that is. would have been like number one name on everybody's lips, given this uh, devotion to Mr. Chair. McNeil. Well, maybe I was testing all of you, and you all passed. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Um, So my new team, Augsburg, got to be honest, I was a bit of a bad fan Saturday afternoon. Decided to watch the derby. Instead, got quite excited about the chance to watch players that I'd heard of and drink some beers. But I did watch a bit of the Augsburg game. Plastic. They lost to a late winner at home. Um, Having had one varred off for offside, I thought it was quite harsh offside. And they'd equalised with quite a scrappy goal as well, but went on to lose. That's now four in a row. But the most exciting thing about Augsburg was that their new manager, who was supposed to be in charge for his first game, <laughs> couldn't be in the dugout because he broke quarantine rules by going out to buy toothpaste. So looks like I've picked a really farcical team to support. I'm very excited. <laughs> a couple of things that I learned about my new team, though, in the 20 minutes of the game or whatever it was that I watched. Sammy Kadera's little brother plays for Augsburg. Ryan Kadera didn't even know he existed. In the same position? He plays for Augsburg. Uh, I think he's more of a defender than a midfielder. Please don't <sighs> test my Augsburg knowledge. <laughs> it's not very good. <laughs> uh, but the left-back I've heard of, Philip Max, he's been touted for, for Germany contentions. So, yeah, uh, at least two players that I want to know to, to watch for, for future reference. Um, Kev, your Leverkusen boys haven't played yet. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> do you want to try and say something about your team? I would love to because have you learned anything? Have you I learned have. anything about them yet? I have. So I have yet to delve into any stats because that is absolutely my uh, greatest instinct. Um, and so I'm trying <laughs> to not. Right, because then I wouldn't be too beginnery. Um, but I just was looking through the through the uh, squad and I realized both benders are there which is a good time i think they were both previously elsewhere yep. and now good. both ended up there so that's that's pretty neat a little brotherly the love deal, there yep. yep although it looks like they're playing different positions because it looks like sven is being listed as a defender now but i'm pretty sure they were both defensive midfielders at one point um but yeah also uh voland isn't uh showing up as the primary striker on some sites yeah, i don't know if he's injured or if that uh shot metric that, um, was shared in the chat that maybe we should tweet out as well uh comes into play there um but Alessandro got his goal who I mentioned last week we as experts um so uh but yeah I, I didn't know both benders were also still there so uh yeah I, I with uh I forget who the Chilean uh player we mentioned last week that I'd heard of before was and then all the talented youngsters and stuff I I roughly know like six to eight players in the squad so uh yeah I think this is gonna Yes, it's, it's really not bad. It's far better than I could have hoped. Um, but it, it, kind of speaking to that, like six to eight, just looping back to the first conversation about like takeaways from this week, is it kind of felt like watching international football. Like, oh, it's that guy. 
Where is he from? Oh, that club, because this is club football. Right, 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 right. But it just kind of like had that feel of like randomly knowing a lot about one player on the pitch and then he passes it to someone you know nothing about. And so it just seemed like a really interesting thing. So I'm not sure how committed we are to staying beginners or how long we're planning on doing that. But uh, it definitely piqued my interest and it's something I'd be interested in diving into and, and trying to figure out a lot more of the players that I'm a little less familiar with. Well, I think I'm probably going to be quite a beginner when it comes to Augsburg sometimes. <laughs> Especially if you just keep watching other clubs instead. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to help the situation, is it? <laughs> it's definitely being on at the same time as a more interesting game. What can I say? How many times has that happened with Burnley that didn't dissuade you then? Oh, that's different. I've got to tune in and watch Jeff McNeil, haven't I? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Jeff McNeil and Dwight Hendrick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, coming towards the end of the show now, but just before we go, I want to share our favourite moments from the weekend of football being back. Kev, why don't you go first? What was your favourite moment? Well, I'm going to leave one for Jim since it was his uh, club that forgot to score a goal with a three-on-one. But uh, <laughs> I think for me, it was probably some of the shots that we got of celebrations. Seeing them live, not super rad. Um, didn't seem like they were committed to it. Seemed like a lot of them didn't know what to do. My favorite is when like somebody would go up with, for like the arm bump thing that I guess is permitted. And then people didn't know if they were allowed to do it and they backed off. But in particular, there was one awesome shot um, of Holland's first celebration uh, where they got like the max length lens out and you can see like eight like almost strategically placed yeah. people in the in the background that picture, that and it's iconic almost, it seems iconic already doesn't yeah it, it, it really like does um and and i mentioned in the pre-show just like there's stuff about this week that i will never forget and that shot is one of them my other favorite thing is just that football was back uh, uh, say, uh, what about you we've already touched on the incredible goal line clearance if you haven't seen it you honestly need to because it was remarkable Shame for the guy that his team got absolutely packed, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that's got to be my moment. Like the fact that it's not only three on one, but the goalkeeper's out of the equation because he's come rushing out and got completely done on the edge of his area. So it's not just three on one with a keeper to beat; it's three on one with a defender to beat. You can't even use his hands, and I think it's Hinteregger who gets gets down to for the block, and it's just it's absolutely incredible. Like I urge you to go and dig it out, like on. Twitter or wherever, find the kind of highlights. I'm sure lots of people have uh, have got it up on on. It's just yeah. I, I still you watch it now, and I'm still convinced yeah. it, he's going to score. Like every time you see it, it just looks like <laughs> a goal all day, and it's just a, an absolutely amazing. But as you say, in a horribly bad losing cause, but still, you know, credit. At least he was trying until the very end, even if the rest of his team weren't. Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, if it was me, and this is possibly one of the many reasons why I'm not a professional footballer, but I, I would have just let it in, I think. Question <laughs> last year. <laughs> right, we've lost the game. What was the point? Yeah. <laughs> what's 3-1 or 4-1 between friends, eh? Exactly. It doesn't make a difference. Um, John, what about your favourite moments? I'm going to go with the Freiburg goal. Manuel Gulder's uh, wonderful finish from a corner where he went for a back heel, missed, and the ball hit his standing leg and rolled in <laughs> uh, quite pathetically fast. Peter Galashi in the uh, Leipzig goal. Techers. So, yeah, that's my moment. Not claiming that it was deliberate then. I thought you were going to claim that it was a... <laughs> no, no, no. Not at all. That was, just, that was just a WhatsApp moment. But, yeah, no. <laughs> Defin- definitely complete fluke. And uh, one reason why I absolutely love uh, Freiburg. Yeah. Uh, well, 
two of the moments I was going to mention have already been mentioned, the, the Haaland celebration and the, the goal line clearance. But I could see a really good goal in the, the early game on Sunday. Uh, Cologne v Mines, which I didn't watch live because I got really drunk doing a Zoom quiz last night and had to watch Drew Barrymore rom-com to get off my hangover. So didn't see it live, but <laughs> saw it on to. Twitter later. And <laughs> I had to. It's the only solution. The renowned <laughs> hangover cure that everyone's about. Everybody. Yeah, exactly. It's, tra- it's <laughs> tried and tested. It's, it's worked for me for a long time. But yeah, the guy basically ran half the length of the field, scored, really good finish. Uh, it's probably the best goal that I saw this weekend. So even though I can't remember which player or even what team it was, try and find that goal. That was a good goal. Um, like we say, not experts. <laughs> so that's pretty much our show. Kev, you did a fantastic job of telling people about how to subscribe and stuff last time. So do you want to do that again? Because <laughs> I can't remember how to do it. Sure thing. Um, so Spotify and iTunes are the two by far most used both among our, our listener base and on the whole. So subscribe or follow iTunes and Spotify respectively. Uh, also, you can check out our Twitter, uh, which is at EPL Roundtable. Sometimes the show come out from EPL Index. Follow this actual show at Bundesliga Pod. Uh, there'll be goodies coming out all of those places. So uh, be sure to follow them and as well as all of us, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, you can do that if you want to. I'm at Jamie Smith Sport. Jim, what's your Twitter? Uh, Jim Knight tweets on there. And John, what are you? I'm at John underscore McKenzie. And Kev is at Kevrov. Is that mm-hmm. right? Perfect. Well, there you go then. I think our plan is to try and do two podcasts a week. Hopefully that's not too off-putting for everyone <laughs> so our intention to, is to have a review show at the end of the weekend and a kind of preview show for the start of the weekend so i think the next one will probably be out thursday maybe friday at the latest so that's our plan please get in touch if you have any feedback about the show so far obviously we're to an extent winging this making it up as we go along so uh yeah any feedback just get in touch with us on twitter at bundesliga pod any ideas for what we can do with the show please do let us know. But that's our show for now. Thanks for listening. This has been Bundesliga for Beginners. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.